Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and myself continue our discussion on the Ninth and Tenth Commandments. Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast, and I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brian Rickey. And you can't see us right now, but if you could, you would say, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. Uh, we are in a, a new spot for recording. We have a real legitimate recording studio that we're at, at your place. Brian, this is amazing. Well, thanks. And it's not like professional, but it's pretty cool. I've been very blessed. And it's a long story as to why we ended up turning uh, a house that we own in North Minneapolis into basically my office, but it's a recording facility where I do mixing and stuff. But it's kind of my little hideaway. It's kind of cool. But uh, it's quiet in here, isn't it? It's great. It's amazing. And I do want to add uh, to your statement, Brett, is that if people could see us right now, we'd have even less listeners of the podcast. That's true. No one wants to see this. Face for radio, is that how it goes? (laughs) Face for radio and a voice for print. Yep, yep. (laughs) Especially because we're still in our pajamas. (laughs) 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 Too much information. Uh, All right, well, today we are talking about the Ninth and Tenth Commandments, and we're going to have yet another episode about the Ninth and Tenth. I suppose you know, we've had number four. It's consistent with the theme. Yeah. So anyhow, we are getting into the promotion or what are we promoting in the 10th or ninth and 10th commandment? And also looking at a passage of scripture, Philippians 4, 4 through 13. Yep. And the focus here again, and it'll come out very strongly in this passage as it does in other places, but we remember that the ninth and 10th commandments individually now are promoting contentment, promoting uh, satisfaction and contentment with what God has provided us. The the whole thing with coveting on the surface level is wanting something you don't have and wanting something your neighbor has instead of him having it. And so the, the solution to that, what is being prescribed in the ninth and 10th commandment is contentment mm-hmm. and is a, is a satisfaction with how God has provided for you. Mm-hmm. But Jason, I want it now. I don't even are know you like the, the girl on, uh, what's that, Willy yeah, Wonka? Willy Wonka, uh, Veruca don't, Salt. Don't care how I, I want it now. But our flesh yeah. is like that, and I yeah. think that revealing this is a really good thing because the thing that I've really been blessed by as we go through all these commandments and talk about the promote and the prohibit is how often we really need this. And mm-hmm. the blessing of that is in the freedom of Christ as a new creation in Christ Jesus, the law moves from our accusatory record of wrongs to our gentle teacher. You know, that Second Timothy 3.16 picture where it's training us in righteousness. And it's, of course, the righteousness of Christ transforming us from the inside out. But how often we really need to visit and, yeah. and look at these. It's, right. it's been a blessing. And, and we, we would remember here, too, that the law is for us. It is a gift from God Amen. for us. The law is against our sin. But the law is for us. And and so much of what's going wrong in Christianity today is this pitting the law against the gospel Mm -hmm. as if they're two contrary words of God. And they're not. They're both working together to accomplish the same purposes. And so we remember even as the Ten Commandments are, are condemning our sin 
and we're going to talk about judgment in a future episode, uh, they're condemning our sin. They are God's word for us, uh, God's word to de- to declare for us how he wants us to be holy, but also God's word for us to, to prepare us for our Savior, to drive us away from ourselves. Yeah, and this is especially fitting or timely for me personally. I, after we record today, I'm going to go probably buy a new van. Uh, our van was totaled this week, and... You know, looking through all the different options, it's easy to not be content. And so uh, I'm, I'm eager to receive that instruction from God's Word today. Amen. Yeah. And Brent, you're going to go uh, to buy a van but come home with a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> Where are the kids going to go? Yeah. They have bikes. <laughs> they have bikes. Oh, yeah. Well, we should read the scripture here. It's uh, <laughs> uncontended. Philippians 4, 4 through 13, and I read in Jesus' name. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's God's word to us today. Amen. All right, what's happening here in this text, guys? This is a fantastic passage. There's so many different words and phrases that point us to contentment. And it also, I think, primarily this passage is one of many passages, especially in the New Testament, but Psalms and even in the Proverbs and in the in Scripture as a whole is that it prescribes as the the remedy for discontent or uncontentment prayer. So that if we have lack or perceived lack in our lives, what we are being called to do is to go to God in prayer. And and it would be, you know, all of the the ninth and 10th commandments um, especially have a connection to the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, to give us our day, or give us this day our daily bread. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, God wouldn't have us pray that prayer if he hadn't promised to provide for us. And so when we are suffering, when we are struggling, uh, when we're in need, when we're afraid, when we're worried, uh, it's to go to God, to remind ourselves that he's providing daily prayer, but to go to him because he he commands us to, but he invites us to. He, He gives us the privilege of approaching him and say, God, I don't know what to do in this situation, but you have asked me to to pray to you for my daily bread and that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, thinking of this passage, um, you know, coming into it, it's very it's cheerful sounding. There's a, um, I don't know where I've heard this, but 
the you know the difference between a scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset mm-hmm. you know often we think we we don't have enough or we never have what we need but in in the gospel in Christ we have abundantly over more more than what we need um, and we have, so yeah we have everything we could ever ask for yeah. well, as you, we think about eternal life and the great inheritance that we have man it's like isn't that enough you know and mm-hmm. you have the doxology is it from Ephesians where Paul writes to him who is able to provide far more than we could ever ask right. for or imagine. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's in the context of joy. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe we could spend a little time unpacking the difference between joy and happiness, sure. between, you know, the state of joy and the emotion of happiness a little bit. But but really, it, it's anchoring us in our faith in Christ mm-hmm. as the source for our present state of mind. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not just rejoice, it's not just be happy, right. it's rejoice in the Lord. And yep. again, the whole point of the Christian life as we live it for our neighbors, and I'm going to be talking about vocation a lot, uh, so let's just get it out there. Vocation. There we go. Ding. Um, yes. You know. Do you have any fancy minutes into uh, the episode? buzzer yeah. sound I, I can generator. add them in later. <laughs> we'll gonna, we'll, we'll, next step is a professional soundboard. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, but the whole point of a life lived... Uh, as a Christian, is that we receive our assurance of salvation vertically so that our horizontal relationships are always couched in that assurance of salvation, that we are living life with confidence that we have everything we need for salvation. Mm -hmm. So as we think about all of this, of course, the elephant in the the room is some of the natural catastrophes Mm -hmm. where people have lost their homes Mm -hmm. and um, there's they've lost things. And then in in that same context, you've got homeless people sleeping under bridge. And so how does that apply to those situations? Boy, uh, first of all, we never talk about this in in that context, you know, that's the the whole point of context. But you know, even in this passage, the Apostle Paul is able to say, rejoice in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. From the context of sitting in a jail cell and uh, being in prison, and he's able to say, rejoice in the Lord Mm -hmm. always. Um, He had lost personal, he had a great personal loss by being in jail. Mm Well, and, and it would, at the basic level, would be a reminder to the church in all of our mercy missions that we have in reaching out to people who are less privileged or, or suffering that their primary need is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so that the church does nothing apart from providing opportunity to apply the gospel to people, to declare it, to preach the gospel. But also, it's a call to those who, who have to, to be generous, to, to give. And so for the homeless, you know, uh, Paul says in verse 10, you know, I rejoice greatly that you have revived your concern for me. He's in prison yep. and he's acknowledging you've provided for me. You've, mm-hmm. you know, you've given to me. It's a call to the church to go out and, you know, provide for the homeless yeah. in, in the context of your situation. And for the family, you know, think about the fires in Santa Rosa. We've seen the, I, I can't even fathom the pictures that I'm seeing on social media on the news websites. It looks like a, a scene out of a, you know, a movie, like an Armageddon apocalyptic mm-hmm. movie. Just the, that, that firestorm that they had out there was it, it, so devastating. And, and in that case, uh, for our brothers and sisters in Christ who have suffered, we mourn with them. Mm-hmm. And we provide comfort where necessary. We certainly would be appropriate to raise money for them and to help, 
you know, get those communities back on their feet like we're doing with Puerto Rico and with Houston and with Florida and wherever else there's disasters. Uh, this isn't a call to misuse scripture and to say, buck up and be happy. Yeah, a- amen yeah. to that. This right. is not right. what that is. This is a call to have compassion. Yeah, I think it also roots us in a more of an eternal perspective. You know, this world is, isn't our home. Mm-hmm. And we're not promised a rosy life. You know, we're not promised that at all. And so we have to sometimes differentiate our maybe our constitution <laughs> from America from what the biblical scripture says. We don't have the right to a comfortable life. We don't. We, we have the right in a very nice, and I say this as graciously as I can, we have the right to be eternally separated from God. That's the right we have. And so anything we do get or we have from the Lord that the Lord provides for us, we must turn and be thankful because at the, on the other side of this life, it's all worth waiting for. It's all worth waiting for. And, and we would do well to recognize in Scripture, quite to the contrary of what most people assume, that once Jesus is in your life, everything gets better and easier. We have all of the promises in the New Testament, especially that once you come to faith in Christ, life gets more difficult. Life gets harder. Uh, you have the, the, the venom of the enemy being unleashed against you constantly. We just studied in youth group at my church, Revelation 12. And how in Revelation 12, after the child of the woman, which is Jesus Christ, is caught up into heaven, Satan turns his attention in history away from stopping the birth of Christ to now the offspring of Christ, to the church, and he pursues the woman and her offspring. It's a picture of the church. And so it's the church is always under attack by Satan, is always under accusation, and, and it shows up as persecution. It shows up as all of these things. And so, you know, the, the, the people who are, you know, it's the prosperity gospel that, you know, once you come to faith in Jesus, that life's going to get better, you're going to be prosperous and wealthy. It's not true, and they're doing a great disservice to the church. I agree. Yeah, and I think it, verse 6 in this text especially gives some good guidance into what your response should be and can be in the midst of in times of need. You know, don't be anxious about anything. Uh, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Uh, take those needs, lay them before God's throne, and uh, seek him in that. And the response to conflict in the Christian life almost always is prayer. If it's conflict between people, you want reconciliation, you want you know, grace and forgiveness there. But, but whenever we experience that conflict, whether it's just from life itself or whatever, it's, it's pray. And this fits really well with what Paul is doing in Ephesians 6 with the armor of God. Uh, we have this this great, you know, I've probably in my lifetime, both as a student and as a teacher for Vacation Bible School, done roughly a million different VBSs with the armor of God theme, right? It just <laughs> works really well for teaching kids. You've got the visuals mm-hmm. and you, you can do the foil armor, which I'm sure people have done before and stuff. And so you have this great image of the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of the gospel of peace, shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. Uh, the two things we would note about the armor of God is first, every single piece of the armor of God points us back to Christ. Mm, amen. Every single piece of the armor of God points yep. us back to Christ. The second thing is the activity of a soldier of God, once equipped with the full armor of God, is to pray. 
Mm-hmm. We want to do these big, bold, amazing things uh, for Christ. You know, we put on this armor, we're equipped, you know, send us off into war, Jesus. And the application Paul does immediately after the armor of God uh, section is pray for me. Yeah, exactly. Pray. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's, it seems, especially for those people who are on Twitter, prayer is under constant attack, you know. Mm. You know, Harvey happens, Irma happens, mm-hmm. Maria happens, the fire happens. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers, right? And to the extent that we are able to actually use the tangible assets God has given us to provide, yeah, we're supposed to provide. Yeah. But prayer is not nothing, mm-hmm. or God wouldn't command us to do it. Amen. I think it's 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 sometimes we kind of think of it as the last defense, but really it should be the first line of defense. It should be, we should be proactive in doing this, not reactive, you know? Well, in Luther advocated, first thing you do when you open your eyes is you pray. Yeah. Last thing you do before you go to bed is you pray and the peace that gives your conscience, you know, and mm-hmm. Luther advocated for scripted prayers mm-hmm. uh, to, that you can memorize and use in every situation. In fact, one of the the best resources I have as a pastor doing visitations and grief counseling and people who have had tragedy in their lives is this thing by a Concordia Publishing House called the Pastoral Care Companion. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have uh, that. That's yep. a good one. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a prayer for just about any situation you're in. Mm-hmm. It takes pressure off of me as a pastor to generate a prayer for the situation. Yep. And, and it, it's instant comfort for the family who needs prayer. There's a, you know, readings of scripture that are applicable to the situation, but it just drives you right into prayer and it, because prayer is comforting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, prayer is, it, it's something reminding us, it's reorienting us to God under the first commandment where we should fear, love, and trust God above all things. Are you hurting? Direct your prayers to God. Are mm-hmm. you suffering? Are you scared? Go to God. Are you rejoicing? because of God's provision, you go to God in prayer. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting how this commandment and the the promotion of what these Mm -hmm. two commandments talk about points us right back to the first commandment. Yeah. Yeah. It's, again, we talked about that the last couple episodes, that we want to treat the ninth and tenth commandments as the throwaway. Right. But they're more like the exclamation point. They they drive us back to the the reality and the truth that all the commandments are subsumed under the first commandment in faith in God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, and, and... having that connection with Christ, you're able to be content, you know, skipping ahead to some of the last verses in the text that we read about um, how Paul says, I, I learned I learned how to be content in whatever situation I am. And I think he's saying that flowing from knowing what he has in Christ. Absolutely. And it's a, that works as a wonderful sub-definition for vocation. Mm-hmm. You know, serving God where you're at in, in, in the circumstances he's placed you in, just sounds like I'm not speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Are you called to be a parent? You're, you're content in that role of parenthood. Mm-hmm. Are you called to be a spouse? You're content with the spouse that God has given you. I, I just finished up premarital counseling with a couple, uh, and in the book I use as the pattern for premarital counseling is called Family Vocation by Jean Veith and his daughter Mary Morby. And you know, one of the things they talk about in that book is we're not permitted to think that we married the wrong person. You know, that that's not part of God's economy because if you're married, that's the person God has provided for you to be married to. Uh, and so we look at this contentment. It's an excellent way to look at our vocations. You know, we, we always, I think, are prone to thinking about the vacation, the vocation we want to have. Mm-hmm. 
you know, where we want to be. Instead of thinking about the vocation that we have and understanding in God's grace and his mercy and his provision that we're serving our neighbor doing that. We're doing the very thing that our heart as a Christian cries out to do, which is to serve the God that has provided us with eternity. Uh, and, And it's where he's put us right now. Amen. Well, I have a scripture for us. Uh, Surprise, surprise. I'd like to read Psalm 37. I will begin in verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Please join us next week as Pastor Brett, Pastor Jason, and myself wrap up our discussion on the Ten Commandments. God bless you and have a great week.